has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives. Tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel. Who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men. Machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. Jason Burmes. And who loves you? And who do you love? Hey, everybody. Jason Burmes here. I'm getting texts as the show goes. Streaming on mine is not working. Might need to call you back on Skype if it doesn't fire. All right. Well, we are streaming on my end, and hopefully we'll get it um, all fixed up over at Red Voice Media. If not, they will have an archive of the show. So uh, just let me know if you do hang up. And uh, call me back. That's just fine. Uh, I'll be waiting for you guys if you don't fire it up. Uh, Just, you know, some of the unfortunate things that literally happened as the beginning of the show comes up. But that's okay. We're only talking Ellen.
answer the Skypeins, and hopefully we are all connected on their end, and we were going to be getting that stream out. Doing it live. We do it live. <laughs> so here it is again, Ellen DeGeneres telling everybody we're bad because there's a flood, because floods haven't happened throughout human history, apparently. People lost their homes, their lives. This is crazy on the five-year anniversary. You're having unprecedented rain. Do what part? Look, look, if we're really going to do our part, what you're going to need is a community to come together, right? You need to gather up uh, some food, uh, some dry goods, maybe some towels, winter coats, those things to keep people warm. And then hopefully your emergency services are good and you've upticked the amount of National Guard, which are going to be helping with that situation, which is one of the things that they are intended to do. Okay, now, if we were really talking about maybe preventative measures, I would imagine that if we really wanted to stop a lot of this extreme weather, we could do so with the weather modification programs that they've been running for 50 plus years. Whether they be the type of program where they're seeding clouds and beyond, I made an entire picture on this, right? Uh, solar radiation management is a term that is used, but then you also have HARP, okay? And HARP is old, old technology, but for those that don't know, you're basically sending different types of wavelengths into the sky. And from that, you are either creating or dissipating different types of storm systems in many cases. These things are still classified, classified for good reason, because what? Weather warfare is very stealth, very stealth. In fact, I can't, th I can't think of one time when one nation state versus another was able to point to another one and say, you waged weather warfare on us, shame on you. Now you could get to the cloud seeding in Vietnam. Sure, Vietnam was just like a playground for DARPA back in the day. Do what you will, all right? We don't even talk about the carbon that is emitted from warfare at all. So it's not on the table. It's like it doesn't exist. And Ellen DeGeneres, I'm going to sit out there with her little, her dancing. And by the way, I, I'm just going to say, most people that have worked with Ellen haven't had the nicest things to say about her. I'll never forget uh, watching Rogan back in the day. And he had Greg Fitzsimmons on. And Fitzsimmons uh, was a writer on the show. He had signed the NDAs, all that other stuff. And he still couldn't help but say negative things about Ellen DeGeneres. All right. He, he, the persona, the front of a daily show, of a daily show where it's all about promoting the agenda. I, I'll never forget, they also premiered the We Love the Earth Little Dicky collab that had like, 20 of the you know biggest artists at the time and it's all it, it starts out and it's so hot out there and there's a bunch of kids and they knock over a garbage can they don't care 
know, associating again garbage and the mess with how hot it is and CO2 regulation and climate change. Listen, this is a system of command and control. That's what it's really about. And I've got a ton of different videos uh, that we're going to be playing today, including this Matthew uh, Burroughs. You know, and this is one of the one of those spooks that's been around forever. And it's this piece from the director um, of National Intelligence. I want to show people Burroughs here. So you can check it out. He is part of the Atlantic Council, writes for them avidly, okay? And uh, he is the uh, former co-director of the New American Engagement Initiative, but we're talking about a long time spookles here. So, uh, the uh, Scowcroft Str Str uh, Strategy Initiative, Brett Scowcroft, gonna wanna know him. You know, there's a big New World Order guy. All right, big time part, 10 years of which he spent at the National Intelligence Council. Uh, as the premier analytic unit in the U.S. intelligence community. This guy is in there. And he's just going to tell you, sorry. Sorry. Well, this technology is just going to regulate everybody. And the excuse for the authoritarianism, the anti-human uh, behavior, the fact that your standard of living has to be crushed, automation has to come in, you're no longer free, is that we're killing the earth. And NASA is a big proponent of that. They're big time into that. That's really one of the key things that NASA was set up and designed to do. All right. It was to obfuscate reality from the public and push any type of agenda that they needed to through psychological warfare. NASA, huge part of that. Huge part of that. Not a space agency. Space is part of it. Uh, they have collabs with uh, the U.S. Air Force as well. I, I have this video. I wish I had the hard copy with me, but I copied it over. And it, it looks like, you know, kind of like their own internal propaganda and also to be put out for public use. 1963, I believe, to 1988. Okay. Although it could be to 85. I'm trying to think now. I think I think that's the, the the 63 to 85. It's called the history of NASA. Might be to 88. Uh, I, I guess 88 would would be uh, more correct. Probably is 88. And it's actually hosted by uh, this gentleman here. Let's find this person. Uh, where did I put him? There they are, right there. Okay, Doctor uh, Arlen Bundarat Jr. Another. NASA guy forever. And, and look, the archive footage is incredible. And one of the reasons I want to show maybe like five minutes of this, uh, because they get to Apollo 14 and they show you being on the on the moon <laughs> and all that. That's good stuff. But what I liked was that they were showing you all these aircraft that had been declassified that they'd worked on. They talked about the propulsion systems that they're working on in joint programs with the Air Force. OK. When we read, uh, you know, let, let's do it live. We'll go to my Twitter feed and we'll just scroll down. When we read this article from. Uh, what about 17, 18 years ago, 17, 18 years ago, uh, being pushed with, oh, if we don't change our ways now, climate change will kill us all. We'll have 18 feet, 18 feet of new water. That's right. 18 feet rise of the sea level, decimating human life on earth. 
Come on, where are where are we? See, I should have just saved the image. This is why uh, this is why scrolling is always not the best. I think I probably already scrolled past it since we're down to six days out, right? It's got to be. Man, we, we covered it live here on air. There's Berenson. There's the weirdness. Where did you go? There's the very expensive eggs. There's Andy Jacobson. There's mRNA. Here, we'll do it live so it's a little more entertaining. It's a lot of the stuff we we did on the show yesterday. There's a, me covering the NASA docs, Epstein case. Maybe not. Maybe maybe I don't have it here, which sucks because if I didn't retweet that, I should have retweeted it. Maybe it's in my if it's at my my notifications. Geez, um, but it, it's a big deal. I mean, it just shows that these guys that are making all these doomsday predictions and a lot of them work at NASA and are putting that narrative. And in fact, when we look at the document here, all right, climate and the ecosystem, the ecosystem is crashing. I'm just typing the words climate. No word for climate. Really? No, I, I, I believe that because I think they used the term ecosystem. It was more encompassing, right? Well, where is it? Eco? There we go. That's telecommuters. That's not what we want. One of 29. Um, do I need to do crashing worldwide economy? Not so great. Economics, economics, recombinant, economic, human operation, white coat. We, it's it's really towards the beginning. Let's see if we can find this. Let's do it here. There it is. Global warming. They were still using that term. So on the planet, global warming, pollution, deforestation. We never talk about real pollution anymore. Uh, global warming. Again, sometimes they use that terminology. It's not there as much anymore. But it's even more than that. Where 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 is that really uh, big part of it, right? Um, there's there's the plants irrigated by seawater, which you know might be a good thing, but we don't want to put the uh, the nanotech into it. Um, let's see if the word crashing is in there as well. And then we're gonna move forward for everybody. I guess not. That's a that's terminology by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Dennis Bushnell, I guess. We may get back to that document because, again, we've only covered uh, two-thirds of it, and we should really cover the last part of it. Lot, lots of stuff in there. So I want to show people that this whole agenda is one in which the same Bernaysian mantra is used again and again and again and again. We're going to play the Build Back Better compilation, but I want to remind people that the real Build Back Better, right, that was, uh, when I say the real one, the first time you heard it in the United States was in April 2020 via Andrew Capo Cuomo, the guy that they were promoting as America's governor at the apex of the uh, nightmare that was going on at the time, the guy who had the daily briefings. And he did a whole presentation on it. It was April 17th. If I have, you know what? Is it April 17th? Because if it is, I suppose I could bring that up really quick too. Because I, I think that I'm pretty sharp. I could be wrong. 17th, 2020 Cuomo conference. Let's see. So there's the Syracuse, New York one. Okay. And I'm, I'm almost sure that's the exact date. Let's go to videos. Because you'll know it uh, as well. 
Is this it? This is the 27-minute one. He invokes 9-11 in it, the whole nine. See? Good Let's see if we got it. And, and he talks about building back better right away. This may or may not be it. Testing is a major challenge, blah, 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 blah. Surgeon. There was another one, stabilizing finances. I mean, it could have been April 20th as well. I, I, I like to get the dates right. Let's see if this is it. Because do can we get a transcript on it? There's 16th, 15th, maybe it was uh the 14th, maybe the 14th. I mean, the, the guy was doing it every single day, and Good he's morning. the first one that invoked the build back better. We've played it here. Our actions determine it, blah, blah, blah. He, this, this guy was Mr. Talking Point, by the way. I mean, he had presentations. He was trying to invoke the state government. Uh, taking off your shoes. Let's see. Take off your shoes. This is how I find things. And then Cuomo. A uh, moment of reflection. If I Here it is right here. Here it is right here. See, it, it you find the little things. It was on April 17th. Yeah, I, I was dead on. I just didn't find it. Okay, so he actually does the uh, the Build Back Better thing. And it was, oh, this is April 18th. But that's weird that it would have that here. Let's see. See, vision for a better tomorrow. Reimagine workplace. This is it. But we talk about the new normal. This also has to be an opportunity where after this horrendous period that we have gone through on every level, uh, after the exorbitant cost of this, the personal pain of this, the death of this, this has to be one of those moments in time when we look back where we say society transformed. I mean, th this guy was their mouthpiece in the United States. So actually it looks like it did happen on the 17th. They clipped this out and aired it on the 18th because it's just part of it. But this is it. You see the make a better tomorrow, they have to build back better. It was a learning and growth and transformational period where growth and evolution was accelerated. Yes, society took a terrible blow but it became a moment of reflection where all sorts of new reforms and innovations happened. So in other words, it was an excuse to further uh, restrict the populace and build a domestic police state. He's proud of that. That's what we have to do with this period when they look back at it. So uh, our goal is not, let's get up and turn the machine back on and keep going the way we were, no. How do you make the changes now that you've been talking about in some cases for years, by the way? So once but again, you never had the political will that you, you, he's talking about political will. He's laying it out that we're going to use this politically in every way, shape and form. April 17th, most of the country had, had been in lockdown less than a month at that point. Right. New York rolled it out mid-March. All in, in New York City was the first part, but he slowly got you into it, slowly boiled that frog. Here it is. By the way, can we get thumbs up 
over here and over on uh, Rumble. It does help so much for this information to get out there. So again, here it is. Cuomo is the, we're going to play the Build Back Better compilation, but Cuomo's the initial guy. Built to do it, or it was too hard, or it was too difficult. We talk about environmental changes that we're going to make, but we never really do it. We mm. talk about issues of income inequality, but we never really get there. You know, we talk about changes to our public transit system, but it's too hard. It's too controversial. All right. Well, now you have an opportunity in this window to really make changes and reforms and improve things in a way you have it. And by the way, if you went through this and you went through this pain and aggravation and suffering and you didn't learn, well, then shame on us. Then shame on us because there are so many lessons to learn. And, and the lesson is bend the knee to the, the narrative now or we're going to make it worse for you. That's all. That's the only lesson. And really the lesson for most people should have been that if you bend the knee to the narrative, what? You don't get anything. You have to fight the narrative all the time if you want your freedoms. If you want to stop guys like this from acting like total authoritarian gangster tyrants. But then, you know, again, they get rid of him later on because he becomes a liability via the nursing home story, if you were following it. And they made it about grab ass. And then you come back better than you were. Oh. 9-11, New York took a terrible beating. This nation took a terrible beating. We learned from it. We grew. We're better. 9-11 transformed the country. If I told you before 9-11 you were going to take off your shoes when you went to an airport before you could get on an airplane and they were going to go through every bag and every, you would say, I'm never doing that. 9-11 said this is a different world. Look at all the security measures we now have post 9-11 that we would have never envisioned. You notice how he started with the shoes and now you're in the scanner like this. And then you still get the pat down on the way out. And they still look at all your bags. And then even after it's gone on the x-ray and they've taken it out and they've looked inside, they dust it for explosive stuff. We went through Hurricane Sandy. We didn't build back what was. You build back better than before. Oh, you build back better than before. There it is. If anybody can find me a clip of any other politician, this is how you know this is coordinated. Any other politician in the world that used the terminology before Cuomo, I'd like to see. He lays it out here, here for you, folks. He told you that the Build Back Better thing was going to be 9-11 transformational. A month in in this country. He knew what was up. He got the script. Take that moment, you learn that lesson, and you improve society. We have to do that here. And we have to do it affirmatively. It doesn't just happen. You have to say, "Let's." we paused. New York pause. You pause. You reflect. You learn. You grow and you move forward. Uh, look at what we learned about the public health system. You know what we learned about the public health system? There is no public health system capacity. Hospitals had the number of beds they needed to operate. Well, what in case of an emergency? There was no emergency. You know, he's got a lot of nerve even getting into this because we know what happened. He didn't use the Javits Center. He didn't use the cruise ship because that wasn't part of the plan all right i'm now going to move 
to every other globalist slimeball politician using the same terminology you just saw Cuomo use. He's the guy that invoked the Build Back better. And remember, they were calling him America's governor. People were saying he should run, right? Instead, they put Zombie J in there. It's a very pertinent question to ask, how do we build back better? To build back better or whatever. We have a chance to reset the clock and build back better than before. To build back better than before. Remember the, the terrible damage of COVID as we try to build back from this uh, global pandemic. Joe Biden calls it build back better. Build back better. Building back better. To do things differently. To build back better. We're going to build it back better. And build it back better. It's my plan to build back better. Uh, start taking all the problems that have been created in right. education and mental health and start to, to build back in a positive way. I have launched a booklet called Build Back Better written after coronavirus. It's about building this country back better. Growing conspiracy following it. It is called the Great Reset. An unprecedented opportunity to rethink and reset the ways in which we live. The great opportunity for reset. The theory even calls Mr. Biden's campaign slogan, Build Back Better, a front for the conspiracy. It's not a front for the conspiracy. It's Bernaysian slogans and talking points that are taking on a global consciousness. All right. They're all using it. Like they showed a Cuomo at one point do it. But that again, I found that first clip because I, I remember I followed it every single day, every single day. And when I heard build back better. That was before I even came to terms that the Great Reset was really being promoted as heavily as it was. I was seeing people talk. I was like, really? And that was around uh, that April. I, I couldn't even wrap my head around that they would be so arrogant about it. But they have been. And, and, this, and this was the beginning of just seeing an in-your-face, post-truth world moving like a locomotive train. Like a locomotive train. Build back better. Building back better our economy. Build back better. And by the way, there, there's a Prince Harry there. I uh, I was on the show yesterday. I was kind of defending Prince Harry. And, and I'll continually defend him for what the media wants to come after him on. But that doesn't mean he's not establishment. He's fed the same damn talking points. He's on Stephen Colbert's show. He did a whole thing about... Stephen Colbert's little dance numbers yesterday, if you were over on the premium train. All elements of the Great Reset are fundamental to building the future we need. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. It's a big effort to, some would say, to build back, back better. We would say to really have a great reset. Conspiracy, conspiracy. Conspiracy. I can always do without the slowdown uh, demon chat. Jonesy, Alex used to love to do that in films like uh, police state films, the early ones, and uh, it's even in 9-11, A Road to Tyranny. Love that slowdown. Couldn't get enough of it. Not my cup of tea. So I've got a whole uh, thing planned 
where we're going to go over some of the uh, medical tyrannies here. And I want to play this clip. I showed you Matthew Burroughs, but this is Burroughs laying it down. Then I want to talk about Biden a little bit and these quote unquote classified documents, what they are, when they were there, what the implications are, et cetera, et cetera. Went over it a little bit with John via mixed martial mindset, have time to marinate it. I do want to remind everybody that the uncensored portion of the broadcast does begin in a half an hour over at Red Voice Media. And that is redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored or slash Jason. Either way you sign up, uh, it is $1 for the first week, 10 bucks for the first month, all months actually. Or you can lock in one year uh, for $100. We're doing it four days a week live here, 8 a.m. to uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time. I hope that everybody that is joining us is enjoying the broadcast. I do want to remind you, you can always go over to uh, Podbean, the infowarrior.podbean.com and listen to the second hour in real time. And we always have that up there. And then every two weeks it gets released for free anyway. So I want to thank everybody who has supported uh, myself. So here is a director of national intelligence uh, video. And, and Burroughs here is just telling you, you're going to be enslaved. And you're going to like it. Global Trends 2030, Alternative Worlds. Um, and, and this guy, again, Atlantic Council guy, mouthpiece for the agenda due to the potential risks posed by disruptive technology, such as smartphones and social media, outweigh the yeah, utility. This is a, a critical question as to whether, um, you know, we could see over the next 15, 20 years, I'd say a, a shift a little bit away from the individual back to the state in terms of uh, um, its ability to use IT um, in order to control, in order to, um, to to really uh, monitor um, what's happening in society. I think um, if we look back to the printing press as an example of a, of a new technology that when uh, it came into to being favored um, dissidents, favored Protestants, um, obviously, and, and you, know, you could say as we uh, talk about it, uh, in the work empower individuals, but over time began to be used by the state for its purposes. And so uh, what I like about this is he's putting it in correct terms. Technology is that double-edged sword, right? The printing press empowered individuals. Now, everybody didn't have a printing press out there, but if you educated yourself, and even if you wrote it down on a piece of parchment or paper, shared it with somebody else that did have it, your ideas could get out to the masses, right? And the state saw that, began to consolidate power over it. We see it now more than ever and really um, had a lot of it revealed to us, especially when the print media was big in this country through Operation Mockingbird, although Radiant, Radio Intelligence had, had largely uh, taken over the public consciousness. The magic box is the magic box, tough to beat. But instead of empowering the individual, the state, the collective, the authoritarians have used it to enslave the minds of large swaths of the populace. And the state uh, actually reasserting its authority using those same uh, instruments. Um, I, I tend to think that the individual probably is still going to have the upper hand in, in 2030, but obviously with the big data um, and the uh, ability and increasingly um, to exploit big data, 
um, that you could see that government actually will be able to uh, to assert more of its authority using that that uh, that instrument. Um, now, you know, I, I think in in our society, I'm not as worried about that. I think you know, government can use that for good purposes. I mean, for understanding in, in real time what what's happening to the economy, what's happening in the environment. Uh, but you could also think in terms of authoritarian states that they will be uh, empowered by this, that, that they will have a much better sense. Um, I, I would argue that we live in an authoritarian state. They have constantly tried to move um, the minds of men and women across this land away from rugged individualism. Uh, I love rugged individualism. Can't get enough rugged individualism. I know all you anarchists out there love to talk about the non-aggression principle. That's fantasy, by the way. That's not a real thing. Okay, You can live it in your own life. You cannot control other people. And you can't make other people live by your laws, your natural laws, or any of that stuff. You can try to abide by natural laws. That's great. Um, but I think being an individual, being independent, obviously, is the apex of empowerment. All right. So we live in a largely authoritarian state. That's the reality. Um, I think it it's less likely um, that countries um, will try to cut themselves off um, uh, from the Internet. I mean, I think, you know, as we've shown in the in, with the Arab Spring, that that hasn't worked. Uh, I don't think it's working particularly in, in China either. Um, so I think that is less likely of an outcome. Although, you know, if you got into a major conflict, you could see the, how countries would want to, uh, to break away from the internet to protect themselves, actually. So, so let me explain what he's telling you there. He's saying for narrative management, if a large scale war breaks out, they would like to restrict access to the internet. And a great example of that would be Ukraine and Russia. Now, Russia liked the fact they were knocking out communication systems uh, via the internet in Ukraine. Ukraine comes to the United States, and then the muskernuts in the gang start giving them all sorts of satellites, Starlinks they've launched, and the blackjack program. And sure, a big aspect of that is geolocation and hooking them up to the ghosts and the sidewinder drones and what they're calling kamikaze drones, etc. But you also have to have digital communications as well, aka internet systems. And that's another huge part of it. And you want that for narrative control as well. Right? So so he's telling you basically, you know, it would be advantageous at some point if you could restrict internet access. And really a lot of that is happening in real time via the cooperation with search engines because these tech companies are what? Trojan horse civilian systems for the military industrial complex. I don't believe so. I don't, um, even though we we uh, face the, the threat um, from um, cyber criminals, from uses by um, unfriendly states, um, that certainly this is a huge issue within the intelligence community about how you ensure cyber uh, security. 
Um, I think, though, the um, advantages that we have seen um, in terms first uh, for the economy. I mean, there are lots of studies showing particularly that America has um, gained huge advantages from being the first to really incorporate this, integrate this into our work processes um, to export it to the rest of the world. Um, so in, an, in a strictly economic sense, I think you can prove that, that um, the internet and all the related um, IT um, has been a great boon for, uh, for the US. Well, obviously, but there was huge bubbles surrounding the internet. We are far from the most advantage. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, advanced in communications, especially when you talk about public internet for the people. That's right. There's there's free Wi-Fi all over the place now. One of the um, promises and appeals to some of of this 5G network is eventually they say everybody's going to have the free Wi-Fi. Same with Starlink. Everybody's going to have the free Wi-Fi. Nonsense. Now. You may be required to be hooked up to that because you're not only talking about the Internet of Things, you're talking about the Internet of Bodies as well. And we're going to get into the Internet of Bodies. Um, the Pfizer C CEO, Albert Barella, talking about the implantable uh, biomedicine that we've talked about. Again, not just the Internet of Things, but the Internet of Bodies. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Immuniband. We're going to play that. But I want to go back over here to Andrew uh, Capo Cuomo. Because th this was really the coming out party, reimagining everything, reimagining the workplace, reimagining the health system, et cetera. Uh, he was their guy. He was their mouthpiece. He was their go-to. This is a different world. Look at all the security measures we now have post 9-11 that we would have never envisioned. We went through Hurricane Sandy. We didn't build back what was. You build back better than before. Mm -hmm. You take that moment, you learn that lesson, and you improve society. We have to do that here. And we have to do it affirmatively. It doesn't just happen. You have to say, let's, we paused, New York pause. You pause, you reflect, you learn, you grow, and you move forward. The truth is, we paused, we instilled fear, we had an agenda on the table. Now, we will use that agenda to solve all of these problems. Problem, reaction, solution, the Hegelian dialectic. We couldn't get these things passed before. Now we can because we've scared the shit out of people. Uh, look at what we learned about the public health system. You know what we learned about the public health system? There is no public health system capacity. Lie. Lie. Hospitals had the number of beds they needed to operate. Well, what in case of an emergency? There was no emergency capacity in hospitals. Nobody had beds left empty. Oh, that wing is in case there's an emergency. Then we would use that wing. It didn't exist. Why not? Well, that's not what we did. So, and you know, since since we all need these emergency wings with staff, it's weird how how many staff got fired during this who lost their jobs, especially in New, New York State, where you had the biggest mass exodus of people, period. So how do you improve the public health system? How do you improve the emergency response? Well, we never had to deal with a pandemic before. By the way, what is a pandemic? Okay, well, now we did. It's a power grab, by the way. 
obviously, again, putting out the agenda. I think this is April 17th. Okay. April 17th. And it, it's right. And here. now let's learn. And how are we going to be ready for the next situation like this? Because there will be another. I don't know what it is. I don't know when it is. I don't know if this virus comes back in a second wave, but there will be something. So the, the, he, he's telling you right now, I, I don't know, but definitely again, we're definitely going to want to impose this authoritarianism again. So we better reimagine everything. And we have to be ready and better for it. And not just what you learned, but what have we been talking about doing that we should be doing that this is now an opportunity to do? This is an opportunity. We're going to reimagine everything. We've talk, been talking about reimagining the workforce and workplace. Uh, does everybody actually have to drive into the office every day? Or did we learn that there are ways to telecommute and work from home where it's actually more efficient, it's actually more effective? What do we do about a transit system? And how do we make it safer? Not just the way we've been talking about, but also from a public health point of view. And by the way, think about how safe the public transit uh, system has gotten in New York. They've had more people pushed on to the subway tracks in the last two years, I think, than the last 10 combined, maybe more. That's how safe the public transit system is. And they got plenty of cameras everywhere, guys. It's all about reimagining and your safety and making things smart. No, well, defund the police. Have you ever been to New York City and you're sitting there and you're in the subway system and you've never been in a large scale city subway system? By the way, most others pale in comparison. Even, I mean, I guess the DC Metro, sure. Yeah, I haven't been to Europe, I can't judge. But New York City, man, it's huge, it's massive. And you often, especially with the amount of insane people that you're around, you wonder, how is it even this orderly? Well, it's not. That's how much they care about your safety at the public transit system. And how are we now smarter about public interactions? I can't tell you how many doctors now have come to me and said, you know, I said for years we shouldn't be shaking hands, that it's just a total way to transmit uh, germs and viruses, et cetera. So, okay, you see what he just did there? No one calls Cuomo out on this. He took it Fauci style. Remember when Fauci, and again, Fauci's credibility should have been crushed the moment that he said, we should probably stop shaking hands for good. And Andrew Cuomo piggybacked on that in April of 2020 while telling you about building back better and a reimagining society and using it as a 9-11 moment. He piggybacked on it and said, boy, I can't tell you how many doctors have come up to me, probably shook his hand, by the way, and said, boy, shaking hands, we should just get rid of that. The ancient form of, hey, how are you? Well, you can tell from a man or woman's handshake. And you know, when I meet somebody, um, that's the first thing I, I doesn't matter the social situation. Um, you know, sometimes people love to come in for the, oh, the hug. If I know, if I've known somebody for a long time, like in the virtual space, or I've had them on my show, we've had conversations. Um, I, I usually do go in for the hug. 
I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hugger on that level. If I'm just meeting somebody, anybody, man or woman, I like a firm handshake. I want to see, I want to see, you know, the, the reaction. I want to look somebody in the eye. Hey, great, great to meet you. They want to take that away out of fear while they build back better. And re, I mean, that is reimagining not only um, United States society, that's reimagining the social mores of the human being. The ancient art of shaking hands, and this guy piggybacked on it. How do we take this moment, since we are paused anyway, and actually come back smarter? I also believe uh, it'll work. It's a moment of, of personal reflection, you know? Uh, we've been in a different circumstance. We've been in a different circumstance vis-a-vis -vis our family. What have we learned during this heartbreak and during this crisis? That you will restrict our access to our families and only give us certain options, which I can't talk about here on YouTube, or I might get in trouble, and that your scandals will be obfuscated by nonsensical grab-ass and sexual harassment which you're now resuing the city for all of your costs. And then you'll put another demon into office via the Lieutenant Governorship, Kelly Hochul or Kathy Hochul, who we have to pretend, even though I'm no BlackRock Lee Zeldin guy, just edged out the victory. Cause it's a blue state. Yeah, there aren't just a ton of Democrats that were enraged by Cuomo and his behavior and his restrictions. I imagined that. Just like I imagine that Joe Biden doesn't know where he is most of the time, okay? And, and that's why this story um, is kind of important because it looks like if you typed in classified documents last night, and I did it, the first story that came up were classified documents from Biden's time as VP discovered in private office. The big controversy is we know they, they knew about this all the way back in November, obviously, they made a big hubbub about Trump and his documents, even though he could have declassified them anytime as president, wouldn't have had access to them beforehand. Now, the narrative is, and we're going to show you this, that possibly he took these illegally while he was vice president and would not, would not have had the right to do so, by the way. Um, who knows if they're setting him up, but the fact that CNN, CNN is reporting on this and showing Biden talking about the you know Trump and classified documents shows me that they may be ready to get rid of him somehow politically. And now putting Kamala and Barris in there, who knows? But when you have interactions like this one, and I played it last night on uh, the show where Joe Biden's being led uh, through the Salvation Army, he gets introduced to a gentleman who works for the Salvation Army, and it appears that Joe thinks that he's Secret Service because he doesn't know where he is. So he mentions the Secret Service, and now he spent time with him twice, punches him in the stomach. This guy's like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Uh, I work for the Salvation Army. <laughs> he's like, wait a minute, this guy's not, he's not secret, sir. He's not in the, uh, where am I? Where, what's going on?
Oh, boy. We have fun here, don't we? We have some fun. So I want to play this clip. I want, I want to get to uh, not only the Internet of Things, but the Internet of Bodies. This is what they mean by reimagining everything. This is re the real track, trace, database, society. This also works into the CBDCs, right? He was talking about economic systems, et cetera. So let's play this. This is a this is that biomedical nightmare that they want us to be part of. It is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet, and once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that the compliance, uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in, in uh, this field. Compliance. Compliance. You understand? It's about compliance. Oh, you don't want to take this? Too bad. We're going to know if you did or not. We're going to know whether that pill or drug or injection, et cetera, is interacting with your very biology and where you're geologically located as well at the same time. Compliance. We want your compliance. And it's a good thing that we had things on the outside like the Immunoband for compliance. If you got the vaccine, you're probably thinking, now what? How can I show the world that I am vaccinated? How can I begin to reclaim some normalcy in my life? Yeah, by eating outside with a mask on. Well, now you can wear the Immuniband adjustable bracelet. It's the only secure way to take a vaccine card with you wherever you go and share it with whoever you'd like. Each bracelet has a unique QR code that is pin protected and its distinctive design lets the world know that you've been vaccinated. So let's band together to beat this pandemic. One step, one vaccination and one Immuniband bracelet at a time. Compliance, <laughs> compliance. And, uh, you look at this, and just so everybody knows, um, of course, that uh, Pfizer board member Scott Gottlieb uh, leaned on Twitter to censor tweets which argued against passports such as that and claimed natural immunity was, uh, you couldn't say anything about natural immunity. Let's just say that. You can say it was stronger than you know what. Um, this is the latest Twitter file dump. Again, I'm glad a lot of this stuff is coming out. Uh, going back to Biden really quick. You know, why didn't they appoint a special counsel? Duh. And by the way, you look at the classified documents that have been found before the midterms. Um, it's apparently on November 2nd. I think you're going to find out that it was way before this. They're now saying that in this office, he could have had them from his VP days. Look, Joey B was quite the criminal. Now, just because he's quite the criminal doesn't mean that this couldn't be a setup to have something on him later on because he doesn't know where he is. And even, you know, to these people in charge, they want a malleable puppet. But a Kamala, a Kamala and Barris would probably do at this point. Uh, Joe can't talk. Joe can't talk. Even when they clip him up in the mainstream where they're propping up the mainstream uh, media nonsense that they want to, he can't speak. You can't say kleptocracy. Right, I know it's a big word, Joe, but you used to be able to. You used to be a slick politician. So we just went over Immuniband. Um, 
I want to integrate this now because all of it's the same. Internet of bodies, the climate change agenda, and then the CBDC digital currencies. They all fall into the same command and control lineup. That's what they are. All right, so this is uh, the Davos crowd talking about a central bank digital currency. And I think we didn't talk about yet, there are two ways on central bank digital currencies. One is the more the wholesale piece. So basically our interactions as a commercial bank with the, with the, with the central bank. And here I would say it makes a lot of sense. This is new technology coming in. We can talk about it, advantage, disadvantage, but at the end it's an efficiency game and maybe it's a security game, it makes a lot of sense. It's an efficiency and security game. It's not really an assets game. Because these digital currencies, especially the CBDCs, are blockchain extensions of the SDR special drawing right unit of zeros and ones that is made out of thin air. That's why it's their wet dream. A completely different ball game it is when you start to talk about the retail, you know, central bank uh, 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 digital uh, currency. Not because it's digital. I, I I can pay this digital with my mobile. It has nothing to do with central bank digital currency. But I think the fundamental change is the underlying business model is as I, as a retail customer, as a citizen, will have an account with the central bank. I don't have just an account with a commercial bank. I have it with the central bank, which has a lot of advantages for me. It's safe. It feels good. Oh, it feels good and it's safe. I can turn it off whenever. <laughs> we convinced them it was safe and it felt good. Who sits there? And it's like, boy, man, this currency feels pretty safe and it feels good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there are some challenges uh, with this because the central bank is ultimately, you know, it's a, it's a public office. Uh, commercial banks are under a commercial regime. Central banks are not under a commercial regime. What about interest rates on an account like that? When things are going well, how does this look like? Oh, on a bank run, how does this look like? Is this accelerating the bank run because I have a safe account with somebody? So these are then the fundamental questions. That's why I think it's excellent to see that 90%, 87, I think, uh, central banks are, are looking into that and mm -hmm. try. And uh, we need to figure out how that all can work. But having said what is ongoing, I think we are now what, for 10 years, 15 years in that new technology, blockchain. Now the, whoop, the market is collapsing. Okay, uh, let's see in five or 10 years, something will survive. Some something will survive. We will back something. And remember, WEF, World Economic Forum, Davos crowd, they've talked about Ripple, aka XRP, as the model for the CBDC. We've sat here and talked about smart contracts and Cardano uh, being used in the biomedical system and having AI robots run off of that Let, let's go to klaus nutschwab and his vision of the fourth industrial revolution old nutschwabington my favorite let's see come on so i don't need that part of it thank you yes i don't need the the explanation thanks can i just get Au bout the... de ça on parle de puce qu'on pourra s'implanter ce sera quand ça Certainement dans les dix années à venir. In the next 10 years, yeah. D'abord, on va les implanter dans nos vêtements, uh -huh. c'est-à-dire wearables, comme on le dit. Et après, on pourrait s'imaginer qu'on les implante dans nos cerveaux ou dans nos topos 
Et à la fin, peut-être il y a une communication le monde digital. Oh. Ce que nous voyons, c'est une sorte de fusion du monde physique, digital et biologique. On appelle quelqu'un, on n'a même plus le réflexe de devoir prendre un appareil, ça se fait naturellement. Hein. La, la, la technique continue le corps. Oui, vous, vous, vous parlez et vous dites, je veux maintenant... Euh, I want to be connected euh, to anyone now. ...avec n'importe qui. Hein? Et d'abord, vous avez les robots euh, personnalisés. Bots. Et j'ai vu que M. Zuckerberg a, a prédit qu'à la fin de l'année, il va avoir son robot, son battler personnalisé ouais. qui est à sa disposition. Donc, comme dans Downton Abbey, on aura son, son butler personnel, son serviteur, son esclave. Oui, mais, mais il y a une différence. C'est un serviteur qui, avec euh, l'intelligence artificielle, apprend et qui n'est pas seulement euh, votre assistant pour des travaux manuels, mmh qui peut vraiment être un partenaire intellectuel. So, so the robots, they're not just going to do physical and manual labor, you're going to be hooked into them, and they're actually going to be your intellectual partner, your avatars. This is the game. Remember, not everybody can be a robot polisher, according to Klaus Nutschwab. Not everybody can polish those robots. Okay, this is the part of the show where we go over to uh, premium broadcast. I'm going to give the cue to the producers. Hopefully they got everything up and running over at redvoicemedia.com slash Jason, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. Uh, I'm going to be reposting uh, this via Rockfin, obviously. And uh, we're going to do a whole uh, bunch of NASA stuff on the flip side of this. I also got a bunch of other stories that we may or may not hit. And we're going to start with this NASA piece from like, again, 63 to 888, found this DVD. I always pick these things up and I always watch them for the archive footage, uh, but showing that NASA is working on all sorts of different types of planes and propulsion systems back in the 60s and 70s. And they even show you this really interesting uh, plane that kind of hovers like a, uh, like a drone in some cases. So uh, let's say goodbye to the audience one at a time. All right. And let's, Start that up with saying goodbye to YouTube. It's real. Thumbs it up, subscribe, and share on the way out, guys. Links below to help. Twitter, Ariva Durchi and Rumble, always a pleasure. You know the drill. I think that's my my text message that we are now good to go with the second hour. Is that my text message? Yes, it is. Streaming on my end is not working. Oh, wait, no, no, we're good to go. Okay, good. No, we do have that. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, so we are going, and uh, I want to play this clip here. This is uh, from that that uh, DVD, and it, it just kind of like, listen, I'm fascinated by this stuff because obviously on some level it's prepackaged and you can't believe it, and I'll show you why in a minute. But at the same time, the archive footage is is totally fascinating, and I think that it reveals more than uh, some people really realize out there aircraft to fly faster, farther, and at a lower operating cost. This sleek black plane, the YF-12, capable of flying 2,000 miles per hour, made 25 test flights. The joint NASA Air Force program is studying problems associated with propulsion, in-flight stopping and restarting of engines, heating, and structural dynamics. 
The research is aimed at furthering the development and operations of future civil and military aircraft. Eight times the M2 lifting body was carried aloft and dropped over the dry lake desert in central California. Now take a look at that thing, that, that little thing. If you see, It looks like a boat in the sky. So again, you got to realize a lot of the UFOs, a lot of the UFOs, if not all of the UFOs, are military aircraft and different types of propulsion systems they're not telling you about, different types of satellite systems weapon systems even holographic systems that's what you're watching you're not watching aliens the wingless m2 and other lifting body types are the research forerunners of craft like the proposed shuttle that could fly a space mission and then return through the earth's atmosphere and land like an airplane which at, at least as far as we know has never really come to fruition okay there's never been like a shuttle lander from a rocket ever. We're still in the capsule era. A new flight program began at NASA's Ames Research Center with the X-14B vertical takeoff and landing plane. See, check that out. Equipped with an onboard digital computer, the X-14 serves as a flying flight simulator by duplicating in advance the piloting qualities of proposed new planes. The Ames Center is also responsible for doing research on short takeoff and landing aircraft. This is one of the planes used to test new concepts, the OV-10A Bronco. The United States is very interested in developing a short takeoff and landing plane for use as an intercity transport in the nation's busy metropolitan air corridors. Also, never quite came into fruition. Just want to put that out there. Attacking the jet noise problem at its source, engineers at the Lewis Research Center in Cleveland are supervising tests of a quieter jet engine. The goal is to develop an engine that will be 15 to 20 decibels quieter than present aircraft engines. Now, this is Apollo 14. And by the way, the, the Gemini program is in here. Although the guy, uh, that, that guy I showed you that's narrating it, he keeps calling it the Gemini. Jiminy. Hey, sounds like Jiminy Cricket. The reason I'm going to show you uh, this section up until about five minutes is because we get into lunar rocks. And I, and I think that's something we should really talk about. Lunar rocks. The scene is Cape Canaveral, Friday, May 5th, 1961. It was on this date that astronaut Alan B. Shepard became the first American to be rocketed into space. Ten years later, January 31st, 1971, Alan B. Shepard made his second space flight, this time as commander of Apollo 14, the country's third moon landing. With astronauts Mitchell and Rusa accompanying Shepard, Apollo 14 marked the beginning of large-scale use of the moon for science. These are some of the 94 pounds of lunar rocks returned from the moon's ancient hills of Fra Mauro by Apollo 14. 94 pounds of lunar rocks, supposedly, we came back with. They are beginning to tell scientists a story, a story three and one-half billion years old. 
From them, we are learning about the early history of not only the moon, but other planets as well. The Earth, Mars, even Venus and Mercury. Now, my question is, and we won't get you into uh, Apollo 15. Uh, again, I I'm going to be watching like all eight hours of this because that's who I am. Maybe we'll pull some other stuff out of it. My, my question would be, okay, if, if this is a reality. And by the way, we I, I never played that uh, Biden clip. We should play the Biden clip because it is important. Um, because it shows you that the media might be gunning for these guys, you know, gunning to get rid of him. Here it is right here. Um, Moon Rockin' Museum is just petrified wood. Dutch National Museum, this is 2009, by the way, said Thursday that one of the prize, its prized possessions, a rock supposedly brought back from the moon by U.S. astronauts, is just a piece of petrified wood. We should totally trust NASA. They are totally and completely honest all the time. All the time. CNN is honest all the time. Because I've got a lineup of WEF um, NASA clips. And NASA, you know, pushing it. I've got this Bushnell long clip. I've got Boston Dynamics, et cetera. But let, let's, let's cut back. We're all over the place today. Classified documents from Biden's time as VP discovered in private office. And ask yourself, when has CNN gone after Joe Biden like this? We have sound of uh, current President Biden addressing the, the handling of classified documents and the care in which he believes they should be handled. When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen how one, anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. It's just uh, totally irresponsible. Totally irresponsible. Um, and I, I just want to be precise. That was uh, released on CBS 60 Minutes on September 18th, 2022, about a month or so before uh, they, maybe two months before they found similar documents at the Biden private office. Right, exactly. Uh, the, the the president obviously did not was not, according to the, the the statement that we received from the White House, was not at that point aware of the discovery of these items. But what it will call into question is, you know, just as just as the the the, the president made this mistake or someone made this mistake and transported these documents to the Penn Biden Center just as easily someone could have done this uh, in the case of former President Donald Trump. And the question to the Justice Department is, you know, are you treating them differently? Obviously, but the, the question the, is the, again, the Trump investigation, whether or not these are from prior to him becoming president, because if it is prior to him becoming president, in other words, not the documents, but they were there, that's a problem. That's a problem. I, this screams a setup to me to take him out because of the way the media is covering it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's a long shot. Maybe they want the poopy pants puppet in there for as long as they can ride it out. I don't know. Maybe they got upset that now there's talk that he's going to run again in 2024 and we're just too damn close to the election cycle, that they got to start tearing the guy down and using more leverage. 
but he doesn't know where he is. He thinks he's talking to the Secret Service or he's talking to the Salvation Army. Uh, we know has taken a much different turn, right? You have months and months between uh, where the archives was asking for these documents to be returned. Uh, we know that the former president basically thought that these documents belonged to him. He considered them personal uh, because- and he said he could declassify and he could just declassify. by thinking about it. Right. Well, he could. He was the president of the United States. He took them. Uh, it was a ridiculous argument, but again, we're, we're in witch hunt territory. It wasn't a ridiculous argument. He had actually broken the law. These uh, people at the top are frothing at the mouth to arrest him and still have not. And and I give that credit to Trump. I, I give him at least that much. Uh, and people can be in imagination land and act like that's not real. It is real. Again, look how they're covering this case with Biden. It is important. It's something that we need to pay attention to um on the peripheral when is the fbi going to raid the white house trump leads republican rage as he demands action after 10 classified documents were found at biden's think tank from his time as vp when he did not have power to declassify documents so again that's the argument um if in fact you know they were there prior to his presidency it, it's a good way to get him out of there it's a good way to get him out of there and, and not have to bend the knee to the reality that this guy hasn't run anything, that he hasn't been mentally capable of running, again, a Wendy's, being a shift manager at a Wendy's, and really being a uh, a counter person at Wendy's. He, he could maybe possibly make it as a Walmart greeter, but I would imagine he would be touching and sniffing uh, too many uh, women and children quite frankly, to keep that position as well. Like if you you put him in a little blue sash and put him on the chair, I, I, like I, I personally, I like the ones that aren't on the chair. It shows you that they're making that extra effort. And uh, even though they're in their uh, golden years, they're trying to stand up, get a little bit of exercise in there, right? Prefer that. But you, even if you stuck him on the chair, I, I can't, he'd be reaching for children constantly. This is a guy that, that bikes into a fall, okay, bikes into a, a full-on fall. First thing he does when he comes up, goes straight for the kid, goes straight for the child. Why is that? Why, are, why is it we're okay with that? I can't, I can't answer that question. All right. So I've got some WEF clips here. Um, we're going to play several because they integrate with uh, NASA in a big way. And they integrate with the Build Back Better plan and everything we've been talking about today. And, and this one right here is the World Economic Forum telling us how great the pandemic was and how our lives have really changed for the better. So what do you want to keep from the pandemic? You understand? We want, we want you to keep stuff. What are you going to keep from the pandemic? Five ways the pandemic could change our lives forever. Remember, reimagining purposes exactly what Andrew Capo Cuomo was talking about. And we got the shields, we got the masks forever, just like in the Immunaband, right? There's Purell and QR codes everywhere. Just awesome. We can keep that. And this idea of the 15-minute cities, the neoms of the world, the neighborhood hubs, your slavery. Yeah, it's a 15-minute walk because we're not going to let you drive anymore. And you're not going to be able to afford to live in the suburbs or have your own home. You're going to be in a small apartment pod. So love it. We'll keep that too. Cloud. Oh, we're going to show you trees, cloud markets. 
Ooh, ghost kitchens. <laughs> Restaurants that solely deliver takeaway meals. Gross. Gross. They don't want human interaction. When they do have human interaction of delivery people, wear your mask, wear your gloves, be a slave. And by the way, NASA is going to allow us to identify you by your heartbeat when facial recognition uh, fails because we've masked you up. We can double it down. Thank you, NASA, for this uh, <coughs> invention that hones in on your heart, which is just as unique as your fingerprint. Yay, NASA. And, and again, digital technology is going to change the way your children learn. wasn't bad enough that we made them mask up. We isolated them from other kids. We want AI robots teaching them in a virtual classroom. That's where it really goes. Okay? We're going to improve their digital schools. Because when we're outside, everybody's got to be in a slave mask. It's the World Economic Forum, okay? And we're far from done. See, permanent changes from the pandemic. Just what Cuomo told you, permanent. What would you like to make permanent? Do you like being alone on a bike and gloves and a mask with a headset on? Good, because we'll keep it. Fantastic. All right. So here is uh, some more. NASA WEF propaganda, okay? Because they're looking for volunteers here to uh, practice living on Mars. And that's one of the big cells, right? It's a great cover for NASA. It's a great cover for Elon Musk or nuts. We're going to Mars! <laughs> no, we're not! That's a... <laughs> total front that's hollyweird nonsense we're not going to mars that doesn't mean that again some other type of propulsion system maybe some black program out there rockets ain't taking us to mars okay and bushnell tells you humans will not be the ones on mars first it will be nano robots that surveil it and then bring back a virtual universe now let let's say they just told us that nanobots were on Mars, surveyed everything, and we created the full universe. Could we do that? Well, I will argue that this clip tells you, of course we could do that, because we're going to build facilities that look and feel like Mars. Who needs a virtual environment when you got people looking to volunteer to practice living there? All right. So, you know, Four people will spend a year living in a 3D printed module that simulates the conditions of life on Mars. So total imagination. And, and, and this just shows you like the Holly weird, um, you know, it's smaller than a tennis court. And that the crew must face circumstances that could arise on Mars. They're, they're building a virtual NASA environment. This is like a psychological experiment on these people. They're going to perform simulated space walks and perform scientific research. It will be a physically and mentally demanding mission, and its application requirements are equally demanding. Um, it's 30 to 55 with a master's and a degree in STEM. You must also have logged two years of professional experience in your field, Ooh. or at least a thousand hours as a jet pilot. Now it says it will research, will help uh, prepare women, uh, humans for the mission of Mars that could launch sometime in the 2030s. No way, uh-uh, not real, the 2030s. They might tell you that, they might tell you that. We got 
CGI like you wouldn't believe. Everything you just saw there is preparing you for a false reality. And again, World Economic Forum, NASA. Who, who else out there is making the connection between the World Economic Forum and NASA other than me? I mean, it's a real damn connection. They're putting it out there all the time. And you see these, you will own nothing and be happy. You'll be part of the blockchain slavery system. We'll play that one too, where you know they brag about how they're going to utilize this internet of things and bodies and blockchain to totally enslave you, blockchain people, all right? All that technology. But they openly have these massive propaganda pieces strictly about NASA. Here is yet another one where they brag about their their basic partnership with this NASA agenda. Three ways NASA technology is improving life back on Earth. It's not a space agency, okay? It's about what? Psychological warfare. It's about what? It's about geoengineering. It's about what? Bioengineering. It's about a real agenda that in my opinion is completely and totally anti-human. It is a transhuman agenda. See, they're fighting air pollution. That's <laughs> brings us right back to Ellen. They're so concerned. We're fighting air pollution. NASA fights air pollution. Okay. What else are they about? Lunar dust can damage astronauts' eyes and lungs as well as equipment. Ooh, the lunar dust. So they developed high-grade air sensors to monitor dust on space missions, which is so good it's now used on Earth. Isn't that great? The Canary Ass picks up pollutants and methane. See, pollutants such as methane and carbon monoxide. All right? Okay? You'll never have it pick up GMOs, uh, you know, toxic poisons, methane and carbon monoxide. And by the way, I, I reported on this way back in 2009. And let's see if we can bring it up. But it was somebody who had figured out how to take carbon dioxide out of the water and make it into methanol, a form of energy. Carbon dioxide out of water into methanol. All right, here it is right here. Making an energy. Carbon dioxide to methanol process improved by catalyst 2018. Now, again, 2009 is when I first, uh, I, you know, reported on it because if this was real okay this was real and carbon uh dioxide was it was the big bad boogeyman that was going to really take us out why wouldn't we do this oh because it would empower us I, I mean look at this methanol conversion it's all it's it's mainline science when have you ever heard about this when have you ever heard about this but don't worry the canary s picks up pollutants such as methane and carbon monoxide. See, they don't want you to know. They want to put methane as a pollutant when you can make methanol. And carbon dioxide as a pollutant when you can make methanol form of energy. Just, yeah, okay. The U.S. uses it to monitor air quality in near schools and emissions from forest fires, giving farmers a bird's eye view. For almost a decade, NASA has been building drones that will fly on Mars. More Mars. Uh, that research was crucial for creating higher altitude drones on Earth. Of course, we just showed you some of the propulsion systems from like the 60s and 70s and the, and the drone-like maneuverability of planes and these other things that were being dropped from the sky 
to all NASA tech and Air Force tech trickled down in the consumer realm. It's exactly what it is. You need to grow up. It's like the real deal here. Okay. So, so again, oh, it's going to empower farmers. Yeah, farmers like who? Bill Gates? We love him. Oh, we're going to clean up the toxins in the earth. NASA science developed a way to fight the world's most widespread human-made contaminant. PCBs are now banned. But they still leach out to landfills, leach out of landfills and waterways. Yes, that the echospheres are going to change, help us. Removes PCBs from the environment like a sponge. Hmm. What's your favorite technological innovation by NASA? What do you love about NASA? We all love NASA. Ooh, NASA, just the best. The, they, they really are. They're number one, huh? Can't get can't get enough of that wonderful stuff from NASA. You know, I wish I was joking. I really do. I, 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 I just, it, it gets to a point where this stuff is like right in your face. And people are like, Jason, you're you're going over the top. NASA's a space agency, man. We're going to the moon. Artemis is going to the moon. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And uh, South Korea now getting into the moon mix, by the way. What, what do you mean they're getting into the moon mix? So, you know, this is this is how you know you've made it as a nation when you you say that you've been to the moon. And maybe, who knows, maybe they've been there. South Korea's first ever lunar orbiter, Dan Uri, sends back stunning black and white photos of the moon's surface and Earth. And here are those stunning photographs. Here they are, the, the New Year's Eve. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. There, there's some Earth shot. There's some moon shot. Yeah. Go South Korea. You know you're coming up when you're part of the space program. You know, you know you're 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 about to be a main player when you're part of the space program. Just want to throw that out there. So I want to play this refugee and blockchain World Economic Forum piece because uh, that seems to be what we're doing today is uh, letting you know that, that this is all integrated. And here it is. I mean, this is blockchain slavery for people based on a system of not only a social credit score but your biometric information as well. It's that stepping stone from uh, what we have in the Track Trace Database Society to the fourth industrial revolution. And they're totally promoting it. The refugee camp runs on the blockchain. Yay! Awesome. They can, they can shop at supermarkets without any physical money. And to pay, they just look in the camera. They just look in the camera. All part of what the global food program, the IMF. See, the iris scanner connects to that world food program account. Okay, the blockchain could help refugees find work. Yes, inside the slave camps. And it stores your digital identity. I love things that store my digital identity. It's exactly what I'd like. I mean, look at this handsome young gentleman here just giving up his digital identity. Isn't that great? Without the need for paperwork like passports, exam certificates, and financial histories, and especially things like, you know, the Immuniband, your vaccine passport. It will help with the compliance that Albert uh, Borella or Borla or whatever from Pfizer is talking about when you take your electronic pills. It will help with all that. 
oh, they're often destroyed during conflict or seized by hostile governments. Don't worry when that happens. We've got your system right here. We don't want bank transactions or anything like that because there's too many fees. We want zeros and ones in a blockchain format to cut fees by 98% and, and have you love your new slavery right here. Because that's that's a very happy refugee camp obviously, with a bunch of people sleeping on the floor. It's great. Fantastic. I mean, <laughs> it's just, and, and the World Food Program, it's global, okay? Is blockchain the future for humanitarian aid? Yay! Because I want to be an older lady in a shawl, all right, that, that is totally, you know, beholden to a biometric slave system run by global governance, but that are pushing robots via pop culture. So just like NASA and the moon and Mars and space travel has been promoted entertainment, the same thing has been done with animatronics, robotics, and they've been used to normalize DARPA technology like this one that also is integrated, integrated into that business world runs on what? Google. It runs on the Android operating system. So that public-private partnership, Google already partnering with NASA in artificial intelligence and quantum computing. Forget about all the other programs. Forget about Calico, their immortality division, and so many others. Forget about their partnerships with large media outlets to be the authoritative sources such as Vox. Forget about the pre-bunking aspect of all this. Let's just go with the psychological warfare via entertainment. And I don't get K-pop. I don't know. Speaking of uh, South Korea, maybe not my thing. I, I've never been into boy bands in general or girl bands in general. Even even the Spice Girls uh, craze, a young Jason Burmis kind of missed out, didn't love it. But now, obviously, you know, young Asian men that barely speak English and are pop stars, they're going to sell you on the robots and how great they are. Very well shot, Boston Dynamics, MIT, DARPA. Boston Dynamics, MIT, DARPA, and now Hyundai. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's a cute little robot. It's on the move. It's doing it right. Oh, there's a little box, huh? It's a, it's a cartoon. Oh, it's a little car. Fantastic. Everybody loves little car. Okay, so we got the little car. That's great. Okay, let's take let's you know, okay, we got the little car that can come in. Kids Nexo, isn't that great? How about you? Spot, the DARPA dog. You're like a little pet. Let's humanize you a little more. Yeah, you can come on in. Come on. Oh, hey buddy. Hey buddy. There you go. You got your little uh neck bracelet on. Good, you're supposed to be here. Fantastic. Oh, capo, yeah. Asian boys dressed kind of like little girls. Whoa, they're happy. Yeah, I, I just what the hell is the appeal of capo? Whoa. Yeah, we'll do push-ups with a robot. The robot's not going to push-up me. 
오야야 뭐야 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 became popular in the United States and then pushing robot agendas. Oh, yeah. Oh, now there's the Boston Dynamics robot. And I would imagine that that's actually CGI and not Atlas. But who knows? They can already do pretty incredible things. Their spot has a little mount on the back with the screen. Now he's got the dinosaur-like head. Now we got a multitude of them with the dinosaur-like head attachments. It's a new beginning for Hyundai, where they're gonna automate you out with robots. K-pop. I just. <laughs> yeah. 2023 is going to be fun. 2022 was so great. 2022 just fantastic, fan freaking tastic. All right, let's let's hit some other stories, okay? And then uh, we might possibly go to Dennis Bushnell over at uh, Fire 2018, now five years old, talking about technological innovations. I often play the 200,000 brain chip and human brain interface muskernuts clip. It's a two, or I'm sorry, it's a one hour lecture. Um, so there's plenty of pure gold in there that I haven't covered or haven't cut out that maybe we can talk about in, in a live sort of a watch along. Okay. Diamond of Diamond and Silk dies at 51 at her home in North Carolina. Trump leads tribute uh, to one of the biggest cheerleaders saying, Rest in peace, our magnificent diamond. Of course, uh, that was the sister team. And this is sad to me. You know, I, I, I certainly didn't agree with these women all the time. Uh, anytime you have somebody die uh, suddenly, especially at that young age, no matter what the cause, you know, it, it's heartbreaking. And I just want to put the condolences out there. I know that uh, they were social media powerhouses and I saw I saw them start up out of nowhere. You know, so good for them. It's, it, it's tough to do that thing. Uh, we went over that one. Let's see. We were censored by the White House. Tucker Carlson slams Biden administration after lawsuit reveals it pressured Facebook to censor him, talking about you know what, the hate and lie shots. And uh, I forget what the term is because I watched this piece last night and it was some kind of reductionism, I think it is. It's called reduction. Uh, let's see. Can, can we, uh, I guess we'll play it right there. It was never really a secret that they were Seriously, Twitter? With the COVID shots. And we knew this because the Biden administration's own VAERS database indicated that from the beginning, a lot of people were being injured. But the media suppressed that news. We tried to point it out more than a year ago, not because we have a problem with vaccines or anti-vaxxers, but because if you're going to force people to take something, you probably ought to know what it is and what effects it might have. That's the most basic right of all, to know that what goes into your body, to know something about it. But in trying to say that, we were censored, and now we know we were censored directly by the White House. In April of 2021, the White House's director of digital strategy, a character called Rob Flaherty, sent this email to Facebook, quote, the top post on Facebook about vaccines today is Tucker Carlson saying they don't work, he complained. 
He then pressured, the White House pressured Facebook to follow its policy of, quote, reduction, meaning censorship. We're quoting, if reduction means pumping our most vaccine has an audience with Tucker Carlson saying it doesn't work, then I'm not sure it's reduction. So again, let's, their term reduction is to reduce vaccine hesitancy. It doesn't matter what, if it's factual information. It doesn't matter if you're pointing out that these aren't vaccines and what, they are gene therapy and vector-based and they are run by the Defense Department. And actually they are bioweapons sent to hurt you to hurt you after a bioweapon was released purposely on the public, not leaked, not imagination land leaked in Wuhan, worked on throughout the world and seeded so their pre-positioned build back better plan could go into high gear as they bragged about utilizing it to reimagine everything. Couldn't pass the build back better bill. That's okay. That's okay. We'll call it the Inflation Reduction Act instead. And we'll put the poopy pants zombie up there and a zombie administration, and we'll use reduction to control the narrative. In other words, censor more. The Facebook employee responded by promising that the company was, quote, running this down now. We asked Rob Flaherty to join us tonight to explain, but of course he's a coward and he won't. So we only know this, by the way, because of a lawsuit from the attorneys general of Louisiana and Missouri. Jeff Landry is the AG in Louisiana. We are honored to have him join us tonight. Well, Sonia, thank you so much for coming on. So you're the chief law enforcement officer of your state. You're the attorney general. This would be illegal, would it not be? Well, it's certainly a violation of your First Amendment right, Tucker. Yeah. Uh, and, and I wouldn't say that Facebook, I mean, that the White House pressured Facebook. I would say that the White House demanded uh, that they do something about the video that you had posted. Look, this suit is about whether or not the government has basically suppressed American speech as those Americans go about debating the very policies that the government has us under. Right. And if the White House did not like your position, or if your position did not agree with with the great narrative, you were completely and totally censored, sometimes kicked off. In cases of doctors that dared to actually treat their patients, some of them lost their medical licenses and faced criminal charges. This was biological, psychological, physical warfare against the human species. That's what it was. Anything, saying anything less isn't being intellectually honest. Okay, I just want to put that out there. It's, it's, it's not being intellectually honest. All right, let's let's head down the line. There's a couple more stories I did want to go over here. Harvey Weinstein's LA sentencing is delayed as his lawyers seek new trial after he was found guilty of rape and sexual assault. We covered uh, that he was again found guilty in another trial separate from the one where he was sentenced to uh, 20 plus years. Okay, uh, appealing some of those as well. Some of those appeals are failing and now he's trying to get a new appeal here. Harvey not looking so great in the the photographs but you know that the days of the walker seem to be over like they had him in on the walker before and all, all that other stuff no sympathy uh for harvey weinstein who i listen whatever you think you know about that guy whatever's in the public arena i gotta tell you <laughs> the things that he's really done are probably some of the most 
morally repugnant, disturbing, and disgusting you could imagine. And meanwhile, okay, I'm going to bring up this quote, Michael Moore, okay, let's do this. Michael Moore, Weinstein, one of the better, nicer guys in Hollywood. All right. Um, now there's a battle of it he, when he spoke out later. Uh, I mean, I guess he sued Weinstein over the Fahrenheit profits. Let's see if we can find it. Uh, because hmm. they because they did settle on that. Let's go here. Let's search the same thing in DuckDuckGo. Because that'll, that'll be interesting if they're protecting Michael Moore in that narrative as well. Uh, let's see. I believe I saw it on a video, him actually saying it. Um, Weinstein scandal, Weinstein allegation. Man, maybe I have to look um, before 2011. Because, it, again, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm imagining it. Let's see the videos here. Endorses Bernie Sanders. Gutfeld. Mm, doesn't look like we're going to find it today. Sometimes we fail when we do it live. Unfortunately, folks, it makes me upset. I hate to fail. I usually love to find, um, you know, what I'm looking for. Uh, let's see. Michael Moore. Uh, reunite for surprise Trump. What is this? What is this? Oh, for 11-9. Oh, okay. So, so they actually got to better. So maybe it is after that. We're going to find that quote. Don't worry. We'll find that for you, Michael. All right, we got a little bit left in the show. Let's let's do it. Let's let's go to. Uh, didn't mean to do that. I did just minimize that out of nowhere. Uh, let's go to this uh, Dennis Bushnell clip. Uh, hour plus fire, 2018, right here. Um, let's the cat out of the bag and quite a few things. We'll start it with his introduction from uh, the professor. Uh, that that uh, basically led this. And I, I would say these are academics and insiders that he's talking to. So as you already know, he is chief scientist at NASA, Langley. As chief scientist, Dennis is responsible for technical oversight and advanced program formulation with an emphasis on atmospheric sciences and structures, materials, acoustics, flight electronics, control software, instruments, aerodynamics, aero, thermodynamics, hypersonic air breathing propulsion, computational sciences, and systems optimization for aeronautics, spacecraft exploration, and space access. That's the first paragraph. Dennis is a member of the National Academy of Engineering, a fellow of ASME, AIAA, and the Royal Aeronautical Society, and a member of the TechCast panel, a group of international experts engaged in technology forecasting. He has served as reviewer and editor for 40 journals and organizations and has made seminal contributions in the area of biofuels, biomass as petroleum replacements sourced from wastelands and saline wastewater via halophytes and algae. It's a bio thing. Dennis developed the riblet approach to turbulent drag reduction, high-speed quiet tunnels for flight, ethical boundary layer transition research, advanced computational approaches for laminar flow control, regenerative aero braking for Martian entry, electron beam freeform fabrication, and advanced hypervelocity air breathing and aeronautical concepts with revolutionary performance potential. So, you know, I wanted to give you an idea that this guy has been around. He's the real deal. He's a real scientist. So, 
he knows when he's spitting Johnny nonsense and talking points and he's selling you something. And he knows when the science is real. He also has access to all sorts, all sorts of classified technologies and programs and has for decades. This guy is the dude. <laughs> That's what I said to Dennis just now. <clears throat> uh, he has contributed to national programs, including Sprint, HSCT, SST, Fast Ship, Gemini, Apollo, Ram, Viking, X-15, F-18EF, patent holder for the fix to the wing drop problem, shuttle, NASP, submarine, torpedo technology, America's Cup racers, Navy railgun, maglev trains, and planetary exploration. Maglev trains and railguns. Okay, and we talked about Gemini, which is, you know, pre-Apollo. All those other space pro This guy... He's been in it. He's been, and why, why do we keep going to Bushnell? Why do we keep going to NASA? He's been in it. Dennis originated and organizes a yearly workshop for the U.S. Army Training and Doctrine Command, TRADOC, on future technology warfare, out of which has grown the Army Red franchise, the preferred national security future operating environment utilized by the U.S. Army, Navy, and Joint Forces Command. Future warfare. This guy's a warfare guy. Obviously a slacker. <laughs> Dennis, please come up. <laughs> and here he is, Dennis Bushnell. You and I just couldn't wait. Dennis has access, as I mentioned in the agenda, to an incredible array of opportunities and technologies uh, from the bottom of the ocean throughout outer space. And by the way, NASA does a lot of oceanic research. In fact, they train at underground facilities. I remember they had one astronaut, again, on Rogan, and I think he was talking about one of his most uh, frightening uh, incidents of all time. And basically, they keep you in these underwater facilities, isolation purposes, weightlessness purposes, and you'd have to exit in this suit, in this airlock, to go use the bathroom. And he said, he, like, giant anglerfish almost ate him. Like the, the ocean is scary. And it, it is. <laughs> you talk you talk about like we haven't even seen close to all the species that are on this planet. Period. And we're talking, we're going to Mars. And this evening he's going to share with us uh, ideas of some of the largest problems that we face and some of the solutions we might find there. Thank you. Okay, boss. <coughs> uh, good evening. Among other activities for NASA, the National Security Apparatus writ large, and the academies, I work, where is it all going? The National Security Apparatus at large. Major text issues and opportunities. So we're going to start off with a Cook's tour of some text, then briefly the societal issues, and then I'm going to describe four greater than a trillion dollar a year new business opportunities going forward to address the major societal issues and then some. So let's do text first. Uh, the poster child coming out of the IT bio nano quantum energetics tech revolution is of course uh, AI robotics and autonomy. The computers got big enough around 12, enough data so that we could do neural nets seriously and increasing number of niche areas, as you all know, uh, many at are better than human. So in 2012, 
got now over a decade ago, some of these neural nets exceeded humans. Okay? Talking about automation and robotics right out of the gates. Then there's, because of the success of the IBM Blue Brain Project, which some of you may remember, there's now human brain projects here in Europe, China, at a billions plus dollars a year to nanosection a neocortex and replicate it in silicon for human level brain replicants in about five to 10 years, people are now projecting. So again, if you believe that, we're five to 10 years after this talk. Have they, have they replicated the human brain in silicon? Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? Uh, and uh, Ray Kurzweil projected all that around 2000. Another reason we talk about Ray Kurzweil all the time, why we played the Ramona clip yesterday. Uh, then there's emergence. Turns out if you make something complex enough, it wakes up. Uh, the humans evolved over the past couple of million years as superb hunter-killer-gatherer groups. And in that context, we would have a problem. We would evolve a piece of our brain, have another problem, another piece. Eventually, we evolved enough pieces so that we woke up. And people think the web is starting to wake up. Again, whether that's true or not, you decide. What you may not know is that a friend of mine, Steve Thaler, about 20 years ago, uh, Imagination determined machine. that he could make machines create and invent an Imagineer. And he created the Imagination Engine, uh, which has produced better tooths for Pamala, better words for the Air Force, far more ideas than cities full of people on milliwatts, 24-7, 365. So he talked about that in 2011, seven years prior to this speech. And it, instead of cities full of people, it was buildings full of people. So that expansion is pretty evident. And the approach was to create uh, quasi-random combinatorials and then use the superb speed and memory of the machine to evaluate all these combinatorials. So it's something like cats walking on uh, the computer, okay, and you just evaluate from a systems point of view very, very rapidly what all that looks like and what's the best, and, and it's just superb. Okay, uh, then we're down to renewable energy, the usual and the unusual. The usual are PV, wind, geothermal, biomass, and hydro, all of which are now at or below cost parity with fossil carbon. Uh, therefore, the nukes, although they're not fossil carbon, they're also too expensive. And so we had 108 nukes, we're down to 98 nukes and dropping. Uh, the coal plants are closing. PV is selling in the major markets now for 1.77 cents a kilowatt hour. So, so I just want to point this out. This is that marketing aspect. This is that environmental aspect, shutting down the coal plants. Talking about this again in 2018. Obviously a bigger agenda. Wind is now selling for two cents a kilowatt hour. Uh, the renewable costs are still dropping much. They've been dropping very much over the last 10 years. Their efficiencies are increasing. 65% of all new generation worldwide is renewables. They generate the renewables today, 25% of all electricity worldwide. And some are starting to discuss what I haven't heard since the 50s, which is 
uh, and this was in the 50s in connection with nukes, energy too cheap to meter. Which never happened. Just like we didn't have 30-hour work weeks, Dennis. Okay, and month-long vacations and able to support us. So they sell you on all the great things this technology could provide, and then they flip it on its head, and they utilize it to enslave humanity. All right, folks. I think that that is uh, about going to wrap it up. I want to remind everybody that I am a documentary filmmaker and that all of my films are free of charge. Loose Change, Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, A New World Order to Find, and Shade the Motion Picture. I hope that you are sharing the links to the show, that you're checking it out, that you're letting your friends know about the information, and more importantly, that you are getting involved because these aren't right or left issues that I'm talking about. They are right and wrong issues. Um, they are issues that we must confront if we ever want to have a semblance of a free humanity or a constitutional republic again. And I can't do it on my own. So please, if you can out there, come on in. Let's all become the great resistance to this great narrative, great reset agenda and fight the new world order. I love you guys. I will see you tomorrow bright and early on the flip side.